Good morning, everybody. Once again, kickoff Sunday. Yes, it is also the uh, football season's kickoff. My son would like to point out to me as well. Go who? What? I, I can't. Did you say Seahawks? I thought you said Seahawks. No. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I hear you, Kevin. I hear you, buddy. Awesome. Well, yes, it is. It, don't, what's that? Talk to our son. Talk to the boy. Anyways, God is good. Um, just so we are all clear, I am aware of our time today, but I also am aware that God is doing something and that there is a word that he has for us this morning. So I'm going to be faithful to the heavenly vision, and you'll see why I'm saying that in just a few moments. Um, because this morning, the word that God put on my heart for us as we kick off into a new season is the word vision, is the word vision. And if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 1. We always start in the Word of God. We submit ourselves to His Word. This morning, this passage will be a text, but it's actually going to be more of a launching point, um, as we will not be spending a lot of time on it specifically. But Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. And what we're about to read here is about the prophet Jeremiah. And what it is, is it's the highlight of his calling. Um, It's him telling the story of God uh, calling him out from a young boy and giving him an assignment to go into the nations. And so if you have your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 11, today the, the title of the message would be Vision, simply Vision. And this is what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Ha ha. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Let's end there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is living and active, that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. God, that your word divides between the soul and the spirit and discerns to the intents of the heart. Father God, we thank you that all scripture is given by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. We thank you today, Lord God, that your word, Lord God, is living. And we commit And submit ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. We submit ourselves to your word. And we pray that today you would speak to us from your word. God, that you would take these lips of clay, Lord God, and you would put your anointing on them, Lord Jesus. And God, that you would shine through, Lord Jesus, into our hearts, Lord God. And give us the word that we need for this season. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. In the passage we just read, I'd like to point out three different things that happen in this passage. As God speaks to this young child, this this teenager most likely, Jeremiah, 
he says to him, he says, first of all, I, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. And the passage starts with a calling. The passage starts with God calling out to this young man and saying, listen, I've got a purpose and a plan for you. And how many know, church, that, that God has a calling on Life Church? God has a calling on us as the body of Christ to glorify Him and to lift Him high, to see His name recognized in the society around us, that there is a calling that is on our lives. There's a calling that's on your life. Amen? Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. There's a calling on your life. Psalm 139, I've written down each one of your days before you lived one of them in a book. Psalm 139 tells us that the thoughts that God has towards us are greater than the sand of the seashore, in number than the sand of the seashore. There's a calling. The second part in this scripture is there's an equipping. God comes to Jeremiah and he equips him. Jeremiah says, I can't speak, I'm just a youth. And God says, I'm going to put my words inside of you. Because when God calls you, he always equips you. Amen? And we are equipped with the greatest gift we could ever receive, which is the Word of God. He has equipped us to fulfill the work that God has given us. He's called us. He's equipped us. But what I want to focus on today is once Jeremiah is called, and then he's equipped, he is assigned. And isn't it interesting that the first assignment from the Lord to him is this assignment. The question, what do you see? What do you see? In Life Church this morning, I would ask you the question, what do you see? Yesterday morning when I was out on my walk, I was praying and I was um, seeking the Lord and, and I was praying about this question. I was meditating on it. God, what do you see? What do I see? What do you see for Life Church? What do you see for our church? Uh, what are you wanting to do, Lord God? What do you see? And I felt the Holy Spirit asking me that same question. And then it just began to pour out of me. And I had to open up my notes on my phone and put my uh, recorder on and just like, into my phone. And this is what came out. What do you see? You see, for Life Church, when I look out today, what I see is a people who display their love of Jesus with the way that they care for one another. I see a community of believers who are warm, inviting, and welcoming, who just by their disposition create a sense of family. I see a church that may be over 60 years old, but it feels like we're just getting started. It feels like we're on the ground level of something, and that God's about to do something new, and that God's about to move. I see a place where the Spirit of God is. I see a place where there's healing and life and joy. I see a place where the community is being impacted. I see a place where schools are being impacted by the presence of God. I see healings happening in our homes. I see a place where joy floods our souls and peace rules in our hearts and our minds are filled with the rest that comes from Jesus. What do I see? I see a place where the Word of God is put in the highest pedestal and is always honored. I see a place where prayer is not just a word or something that a fringe group of people take part in, but I see a place where prayer is fundamental and foundational to a church, where prayer is like breath. I see a place where honor is not just talking about, but it's also lived out as generations are honored. 
And those who have given of themselves are put into a place of honor. I see a place where families join together in worship and where those without a home find one. I see a place where the worship is the spring that brings life and water to all the people around them. It's a vehicle by which we access the presence of God. I see a people who are healthy, growing, and full of life. I see a place that is kingdom-minded, not intimidated by other churches, and cheers, genuinely cheers them on by sharing resources and time with others. Because after all, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. What do I see? When I see Life Church, I see a people who care for and bring people to Jesus. What do you see? What do you see? Again, it's interesting that the first assignment given to Jeremiah pertains to this idea of vision. And, and, and we can talk about this big idea of vision, kind of throw it out there, but really we've got to define it. So what is vision? Vision defined is this, the act or power of seeing. That's it. Vision is what is seen. It's very, very simple. And hence the question, what do you see? Now, why is vision so important? Well, we're told in in Proverbs 29 verse 18 in the Old King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. We're told that when a, a people lacks vision, when they, when, they, when they don't know where they're looking, that it will lead to death and destruction. To chaos, if you will. A few thoughts I wanted to share with you about vision this morning. Something for you to take home today. Number one, why is vision so important? Number one, where you look is where you're going to go. This is very simple. If you read a lot of self-help books nowadays, a lot of business books, you're going to hear these types of concepts mentioned. By the way, they weren't founded there. They started with Jesus. They started with God, and they are actually found in the Word of God. But wherever you look is where you're going to go. And, And how I used to illustrate this when I would speak to young people about this subject is what I would do is I would get um, two people to come up and have a race. and say, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a race. And they'd be like, yeah, because youth are just like that. And then you'd invite them up. And I'd always pick out, you know, who wants to to be in the race? And, like, everybody would put their hands up because everybody thinks they're the fastest and they're awesome. And and I'd always pick this one, like, big grade 12 kid that was, like, you know, shaving. And, um, And he was probably sweating under his armpits. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm like the fastest, man. And I always get that guy up over here. And then I picked the scrawniest, smallest, little one, you know, grade 8 student that would kind of timidly come up and say, well, I'll give it a try, right? And they would come up over here. And I'd say, okay, guys, here we go. Now, who, who thinks this guy's going to win? And they'd all go, yeah. And I'd go, okay, who thinks this one's going to win? And there'd be other friends like, yay, yay, Judy, or whatever, right? And they'd be cheering this person on. And Judy, yeah, I don't know. And so then, and then I'd be, okay, here we go. On your mark, get set. And I go, no, wait, 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 this isn't fair. Like, obviously, this isn't fair. So here's what we're going to do. You, it's a great 12 student who shaves and has stinky armpits. This is what I want you to do. I want you, when you race, this is where you have to look. You have to watch your feet the entire time. What? That's not fair. Yeah, that's what you're going to do. You're going to watch your feet the entire time. And then you, over here, what you're going to do is you are going to run 
and look at the back wall because that's where you're going. The first person to touch the wall wins. On your mark, it's set, go! And, you know, inevitably what would happen is the little squirt would, would work their way down to the end and they would touch the wall first. And the grade 12 student would be looking at their feet trying to follow my instructions and they'd run into the chairs and they'd run in over here and everybody kind of laugh. And, and then they'd go, see, do you get it? Wherever you look is where you're going to go. Where you put your attention is where you're going to go. And so my question for you this morning is where is your attention? There are so many things that are grabbing for our attention all around us. And we have to physically, mentally, intentionally turn our minds back to the thing that matters most. In fact, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore we also, this is great, it goes with my analogy very well, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What does it say? It says, if you're going to run this race, don't look at the weight of your sin. Don't look at the weight of the things that you carry around you, but set your mind on things above. Set your mind on Jesus, because where you look is where you're going to go. So two questions I have for you today. Are you looking forward, or are you looking back? Many of us have things from our past that um, can be dug up, that can become strongholds in our lives. Again, a stronghold is any area in your life where the truth of the Word of God is unable to have influence. I'm going to say that again. A stronghold is any area in your life where the truth of the Word of God is unable to have influence. Are you looking forward or are you looking back? Isaiah 43, 18, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Here's what happens in life. Circumstances pop up. Failures and mistakes happen. Um, uh, trauma happens. And what it, it can tend to do is grab a hold of you and hold you and tell you that you cannot move forward. And you keep turning around and going back and turning around and going back. And my question for you today is, what do you see? Because the word of the Lord is, behold, I will do a new thing. Shall it not spring forth, and shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Hey, I don't know what your circumstances, I don't know what your situation is. It may feel impossible to you. And with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? What do you see? Second question is this, are you focused on yourself, or are you focused on others? Matthew twenty two thirty nine 39 says this, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I remember hearing the testimony of Tim Tebow, speaking of football, go Gators. Um, Tim Tebow, uh, who is now a, a, an itinerant speaker, uh, has an incredible ministry, has numerous ministries, and is a powerhouse man of God, played in the NFL. And he talked about how when he would get down, what he would do is he would challenge his friend, and his friend would challenge him, and they would go out and serve. Like, man, we just had a big loss. I'm just feeling down. It's, it's rough right now. His buddy would be like, you know what we got to do, right? Yeah, let's go. And they would go out and they'd find a place to serve. They'd go find um, a, a, a you know, soup kitchen or, or some place that they could go and they would give out to other people. One of the greatest gifts that God gives us is forgiveness and an ability to move forward and an ability to think about others more than ourselves. 
It is such a gift when you can think about others more than yourself because then you are free from yourself. Are you focused on yourself or are you focused on others? Okay, so that's number one. Number two, your vision should be tied to your values. And this brings back the question of where does your vision come from? This is interesting. In the passage I read earlier, Proverbs 29, 18, if you read it in some of the other versions of Scripture, it, 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 it interprets it this way. It says, when people do not, this is the New Living Translation, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. And then it juxtaposes it with this idea, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. So it's saying, hey, when you we don't have, again, the, the King James Version is people without a vision perish. They pass away, right? Um, there's another version that says they cast off restraint. But this is what it's saying here. When people do not accept divine guidance, in other words, where does, the, where does the vision come from? That's a very important question. How many know that your feelings make a very poor compass when it comes to vision? Your feelings can easily mislead you. They can dissuade you. They can move you in directions that you were never meant to go. There must be a greater truth that we rely on when we begin to talk about vision. A greater truth than just our feelings. You know, if we just come up with our own vision, our own feelings, it could change day to day. What's your vision today? Well, I watched a documentary on gophers. So today... My vision is to have a gopher farm. You know anything about gophers? No, I don't. And I want ice cream stand there as well because I like ice cream. Okay, well, that's just dumb, obviously, right? Just what I'm trying to say, don't, don't let your feelings dictate your direction. We have something firm. We have something solid, a firm foundation. It is found in the Word of God. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. The source of your vision should not simply be your feelings because a person's feelings make a poor compass. We see in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Our vision, our primary vision, the thing that we keep coming back to must be found in something greater than our feelings. Amen? And we have the answer in the word of God. We have the answer in Jesus This verse came to mind as I was studying this. Um, Paul, I don't have it up there, but Paul uh, says this when he's speaking uh, on his own behalf. uh, uh, In Acts chapter 26, I believe it is, verse 19, he says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. There was other things that were pulling at my attention. There were people that were persecuting me. There was other things that were going on all around me. There was drama that was happening. But I stayed the course, and I went after the heavenly vision. And you say, I don't know if I have a heavenly vision. Yes, you do. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. If you can't zoom in any more than that, if, if, you go, if you don't know what that actually looks like, then just turn your attention towards Jesus. Because if you're moving in that direction, he can speak to you. He can give you the direction. He can show you what he needs you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Amen? Vision should be tied to values. That's why, church, just to give you a little bit of insight, over the next nine Sundays, um, we are going to be going back, and we're going to be communicating the vision of Life Church. 
I hope that when you hear us talk about visions that God has given us, that we tie it back to a value every time. If we say, you know, why, why are you doing this? Why? It's because we value this. Why do you preach from the Bible? Because our first value is the Word of God. Why do you spend time worshiping every Sunday? Because we value worship. You'll often hear me say that, you know, because we value growth, we have life groups. Because we value being kingdom-minded, we're doing joint church events because it's not about us, it's about the kingdom of God. Our vision is tied back to our values. Okay, you guys with me? Last one. Number three. As followers of Jesus, our primary vision is him. Matthew 14, 28, 30. Story of Peter walking in the water. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out saying, Lord, save me. This is for somebody right now. The presence of God in your life and his call on your life is more powerful than whatever the circumstance that you're seeing right now. There is grace and there is a call and there is a God who cares for you. And he is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. He is able to make rivers in the desert. He is able to create roads where it could not seem that there could be a direction. He can make a way. Amen? Peter started to fall when he saw the circumstances around him. When he took his eyes off of Jesus. And he began to look at what he saw around him. And that became a greater truth. I'd ask you this question, who is Lord in your life? Is it your circumstances or is it Jesus? Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I would have lost heart and I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen? And Colossians 3.2 says this, Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. This is an intentional directive. Set your mind on things above. This is the secret. This is what I'm calling you to. This is what I want you to live, Life Church. This is how I want you to see things, Life Church. Set your mind on things above. Because with man, it might be impossible. With God, all things are possible. Life Church, what do you see? Amen. This morning, we're going to close. I'm going to ask my wife to come up. And on this fall kickoff Sunday, I wonder if there are those here that would say that my mind and my eyes have been taken off of Jesus. There are circumstances in my life right now that are so overwhelming that I've been unable to see His face. This morning, Jesus is here. And His words to you are this. Come to me, 
all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Just bow your heads and let's just pray. Lord God, Lord Jesus, we just come. Father, I pray for every single person here, Father, and I, I ask this question, which is linger in their heart, in their spirits this week. What do you see? What do you see provision for your life? What do you see provision in your relationships, in your family, for your workplace? What do you see? God, I pray that you would birth vision in our hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would birth something in our spirits, Lord Jesus. You have called us to be people with purpose. Father, I pray that that would stir up in us this week as your people, a purpose, a calling. What do we see? Where are we going? What do you want for us, Lord Jesus, your people? We want to be people on mission for you, Lord God. Wherever we go in our day-to-day -day life, Lord Jesus, if it's at home with little kids in this season, then we're on mission raising up little ones to serve you. If it is being in our businesses, in our careers, Lord Jesus, and wherever those spaces be, some of them are in schools, some of them are in, um, in office spaces, Lord Jesus, in those places that you have put us, we're on a mission to glorify you, Father. What do you want from us? places. Other of us are bothering years of grandparenting and we're in seasons of um, like uh, retirement and we might have relationships in our neighborhoods and with those around us in our, in our um, buildings. Lord Jesus, Father, what do you want from us in those places? We want to be a people of purpose and vision. Lord God, I pray you would stir in our hearts, oh Jesus, that we would be challenged by this. God, we want to be a people, a focus. <laughs> and may our focus and attention be number one on you, Lord Jesus. Father, there are so many distractions in our day-to-day -day life, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to steer our eyes and our mind to be upon you, Lord Jesus. That is our prayer. Call us deeper, I pray. And help us to turn our eyes on you. And the other things will go strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that you bless every single person that is um, watching this morning. Father, every single person that is here, Lord Jesus, I pray that this week as they go out into their weeks, Lord Jesus, that they would be reminded of this message and we would be calling ourselves back in our attention. No, I want to keep my attention on you, Lord God. Father, I look to you. Lord, I trust you in this situation. Lord, you are in control. You are our God. And Lord Jesus, I pray that that would just be our constant today, our compass 
Father, this week, Lord Jesus. Bless your people and go with them, Father, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.